Okay. My message this morning entitled, Check Up from the Neck Up. Philippians, the fourth chapter, says this. Paul, at the end of the book of Philippians, is saying this. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy. He's quite a list here of all this positive stuff. He says, all this stuff, think about these things. I just saw the quicks here this morning. Hi, guys. These are our neighbors in Stevens Point that we live next to in our condo, which I still can't sell. So, so, so technically, they're still our neighbors. <laughs> good to see you guys. Hallelujah. Anyway, what am I talking about? Okay, thinking about good things, not homes that are having a hard time selling. That's all right. I don't get bummed by those things. I'm excited about it. I'm waiting till the market really gets bad, and then God will step up. Right? It just hasn't gotten bad enough yet. So I'm hoping it really tanks out so I can have my miracle. See, it's not a miracle if a home sells easily, right? The cool thing is when nobody wants to buy a house and then yourselves. Woohoo! So that's why I'm waiting. Anyway, continuing on. Thinking about positive things. Why is it important that you think about positive things? The Bible tells us it's important about what you think. Now, sadly, So many Christians do not spend their time reflecting on positive things. They spend their time reflecting on negative things. How things are not the way they wish they would be. Why life isn't fair to them. uh, How they're going to protect themselves from all the mean people around them. Why they shouldn't never forgive that guy for what he did. I'll never forget that. And they rehearse all this stuff all the time and thinking negative garbage constantly over and over again. You have to know something. God pays attention to what you think. And what you think will have a great impact on you. Uh, Cool little verse in the Bible here. King James Version in Malachi. Where it says that God even keeps a record of when we think about him. It says, then they that feared the Lord spake often to one another. And the Lord hearkened and heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before him. For them that feared the Lord. And that thought upon his name. So God is actually keeping a book. About every time someone thinks about him. Isn't that cool? You know, the question is how thick is your book going to be? Is it going to be a little fam- pamphlet? Or is it going to be a Yo Mama encyclopedia? How often do you even think about God? It's important. Now, there's a pop culture phrase that's gone around for some time in our culture that says, you are what you eat. I hope they're wrong because I like pork. <laughs> Which would make me a pig. But uh, I don't think it's true. I mean, you should eat healthy. I don't really, but you should. Anyway, but what's more true is you are what you think. And God has always addressed this in the hearts of believers. All the way back. (laughs) Quit torturing that child. (laughs) In Deuteronomy, the sixth chapter, Moses is speaking to the people. He says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today, and he's given them a whole slew of them, are to be upon your hearts. Impress them, he says, on your children. Now, it's interesting to note that he is speaking to men. Men should be responsible for impressing upon their children the spiritual values they want these children to believe in. Part of the problem that we have today is men have abdicated their role as spiritual leaders in homes. 
I dare say in the vast majority of homes, fathers say little to nothing about spiritual truths to their children. It all falls on the shoulders of the mother. Many of us grew up in homes where only the mom ever referred to anything. The dad never spoke of anything spiritual. That is one of the reasons this country is in such a stinking mess that it is today and why the church is so impotent today. It should be men speaking into the lives of their children about spiritual things. And men should be involved in the lives of their children. You know, for the last hundred years or so in this country, you know, it's men, you know, well, you know, that's women's work and men are, you know, blah, 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 blah. But it was not always so. I was reading some... Uh, church history that's uh, fascinating to read and and I was reading about the writings of Martin Luther back in the 1500s this is not Martin Luther King but this is Martin Luther uh, who uh, started the Lutheran church and started the whole reformation thing big big guy on family and believed that men should be intimately involved with their children he even writes this Uh, he says when a father goes ahead and washes diapers God with all his angels and creatures, is smiling. Because he is doing so in Christian faith. How cool is that? Encourage. This is way back in the 1500s. This whole idea of men not being connected is is a more recent uh, uh, invention. And it's a destructive one. Men should be involved with their children. In fact, Luther taught that he believed that once a child reached the age of seven, it was then the father's primary responsibility to instruct the child. Moms were okay in the early years, but by seven, he said, the men should take over and instruct their children. When was the last time you heard your father say anything to you of spiritual value? When was the last time you said anything to your children, dads, of spiritual value in the home? Are you impressing upon them spiritual truths? Or are you just leaving it up to the church when you drag them here on Sunday mornings? Or are you just leaving it up to your wife to do it because you're too busy watching TV? Ought not to be so. Continuing with Moses' thing here, says, impress them on your children. He says, talk with them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road. When you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands. And bind them on your foreheads. We're not going to do that. (laughs) Walk around with bandanas all month. Write them on the door frames of your house and on your gates. I mean, he's saying everywhere you do things that constantly remind you. Of God's word. Of God's teaching. Of spiritual principles. Why? Two reasons. One, God knows that we will forget. People are famous for forgetting things that matter. And remembering things that do not. It is just the nature of mankind. So he's saying constantly talk about these things. And remind yourselves about these things. Because we forget about these things. Secondly... The good reason to remember these things and impress them upon your own heart is because God's word will change your life. People say to me, Pastor, how do you do this? How do you live this Christianity happily? How do you really experience faith? How do you actually stay married to the same woman for 35 years without killing each other? How do you do this stuff? And the answer is, on purpose. You do it on purpose. It's an intentional thing. It just doesn't happen cosmically. You've got to get this stuff inside of you because it will change you. And as wonderful as it is to see you in church this morning. And I hope you come every Sunday morning. And as fantastic as that is, I got to tell you, this is not enough. 
It's not enough. It's the start. You've got to start somewhere. At least you guys are actually here instead of watching the Fox Sports warm-up for the game today. So kudos to you for even showing. But this is not enough. It's just the beginning step. You've got to intentionally make a a decision. You know, I'm going to think about these things. I'm going to get this stuff inside of me. I'm going to quit being so thinking about everything else under my life and think about things that matter. Because when you think about things that matter, it impacts you in a positive way, particularly God's word. Now, there's a great scripture in, in in the psalm, Psalm 119, which is the longest psalm. I think it's actually the longest chapter in the Bible. But the the psalmist asks this question, how can a young man keep his way pure? In other words, how do you do this stuff? How can you do this and really succeed? And then he answers his own question by, by saying, by living according to your word. It's by letting the word of God impact you that allows you to succeed in life. He goes on to verse 11, I've hidden your word in my heart. That I might not sin against you. What does that mean? It's talking about memorizing scriptures. Scriptures that matter to you. Get them in your head. You should be able to quote them verbatim. Why? Because you get it in your head and it transforms you. It changes you. With my lips, in verse 13 he says, I will recount. He speaks these things out. I'll recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I will rejoice in following your statutes. As one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and I consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. All of this he says intentionally. And this is how you live successfully. As a person of faith. Now positive thinking is so important. The Bible even uh, encourages. Solomon encouraged young people to think on the positive teachings of their parents. This is of course assuming the parents ever said anything positive. But Proverbs. I say that because a lot of us were raised in homes. They didn't ever say anything positive. Proverbs 6 says this, is my son, keep your father's commands and do not forsake your mother's teachings. Bind them upon your heart forever. Fasten them around your neck. When you walk, they will guide you. When you sleep, they will watch over you. When you awake, they will speak to you. Positive things. The Bible over and over again. Think positively. Think positively. Think positively. Why? Because you are what you think. And if you got stinking thinking, you're going to have a stinking life. It's just that simple. And I love this about parents speaking positive things into your, in your kids. And that's, that's kind of a tricky thing because on the one hand you want to teach your kids it's important what they do and that how you perform and, and, and what you do in life is important. But on the other hand it's vital that you instill in your children that ultimately they are not defined by how they perform. They are defined by their dreams and what they believe. This is what truly defines them. And it's hard to teach them that, but you've got to be careful. Because a lot of times we want to focus so much, you know, don't do that, don't do that. And some of you were raised in homes where you're constantly defined by what you did. That's why some of you in your 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s today, still struggle in life. Because, you know, well, I'm not good enough. And I'm not good enough. Because you had parents who were just constantly on your case about, you need to be better. You need to, you're a loser. And what's the matter with you? And why did you get a B when you should have had an A? And, blah, 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 blah. and all this horrible thing. While, again, it's good to encourage them to perform well. But this horrible pressure that basically has said to you, you are defined by what you do. Anybody who defines themselves by what they do, by the, by the largest margin, will be miserable in life. Here's a great example. Forget faith for a minute. Forget Christianity. Just think about business. The people who succeed the greatest in life in business are people who believe in their dreams more than their performance. In fact, it's fabulous to listen to some of these documentaries and biographies of some of these businessmen who 
when you hear their story, they failed miserably. They started out the first time and then they would lose millions of dollars. And then they'd try it again. And then they'd lose tens of millions of dollars. And then they tried it. I don't know where these guys kept getting money. <laughs> you know, why anybody would invest in a guy who's already lost tens of millions of dollars, I do not know. But they do. They kept going and going and going until, boom, they make it. And they succeed. Man, a lot of us, if we'd have lost more than 150 bucks, we'd be depressing. I'll never try that again. I'll never, I lost $150 in that investment. I'm just going to stick my head in the ground and eat worms and die. But these men and these women, these entrepreneurs, honestly, I'm surprised there are not more entrepreneurs in the church. Churches should be filled with people who are entrepreneurs because they, more than anybody, get the idea of faith. They get it. This should make sense to them because they know what it means to risk something and to believe something more than their performance. I promise you, the reason I'm even here in front of you today is because I have not let my performance dictate who I am. I have believed in my dreams and what God has called me to do. And I believe God's word that says I'm more than a conqueror through Christ. That all things are possible to him that believes. That I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I might feel like a scumbag. I might look like a scumbag. But God says I'm a somebody. So I believe the somebody even though I'm a scumbag. Hallelujah. Goodness gracious, the people who just let their whole lives dictate and form who they are. Don't do that. Teach your children this. It's important what you believe. Let their dreams define who they are. You can accomplish anything. You can do anything. You can be anything. I'm still going to kick your butt for the D, but you can still accomplish anything. Don't let your performance define who you are. Let your dreams define who you are. And that's really the essence of faith. And that's what God is trying to say in these scriptures. Even, even the scripture that Pastor Lathan read this morning, which is the scripture that we're using for the campaign. Uh, and I, w- I want to read it again here. Where Jesus said, have faith in God. And you're going to see how you think really dictates your faith. And Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Why would he say that? Because what he's about to say is going to sound like a lie. What he's about to tell him is going to seem totally impossible. He says, I'm telling you the truth. He says, if anyone, not just the real special ones, but if anyone says to this mountain, mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes what he says will happen, it will be done for him. I don't believe that. (laughs) That's why nothing happens for you. So he continues and he says, therefore, now whatever therefore is there, you got to see what it's there for. (laughs) What it's there for is because he just said something unbelievable. You mean we can move the mountains in our lives, the obstacles in our lives, we can just speak to them and they'll get out of the way? Yeah. Therefore, since that is possible, he's going to show you how to do it. Because this is possible, and he says anyone who does this, anybody can do this. And because this is possible, therefore I'm going to show you how to do it. And when he says this, therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you will receive it someday. Is that what it says? No, no, it says, believe that you have received it. What? 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 Hello, Jesus, you got your tenses all mixed up here. How can you believe you've already have received something before you get something? That doesn't make any sense. Yes, it does. 
What he says, if you will believe you've already received it, before you get it, it'll happen for you. You say, now that is just poppycock. That's insane. Drabble, it can't possibly be true. No, 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 no. It's true. And you're already experts at it. Every one of you rascals are great at this. It's called worry. You do it all the time. What is worry? Worry is, I just know something terrible is going to happen. And you think it through. And we're all great movie makers. You know, we're all Steven Spielbergs. And we all create this movie in our head. And we see the horrible thing that's coming. And we hear the music swing in. And we see the pain and the agony. And we experience it in our heads. And then we go, no, no, cut, 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 cut. It's much worse than that. I need more acting, more disaster. Come on, you can do this more horribly. And we get special effects and blood and guts are flying and we reshoot it and we just keep creating this movie over and over and over again. And we imagine it in our heads and we see it in our heads and it becomes so real to you that physically it starts to affect you and your stomach starts to get sick and your nerves start to get frayed. And what you have done is you have just created it possible in the spiritual realm for all this misery to come upon you. You've believed you've already received it. In fact, you've seen it. You've experienced it. You know that it happened. Even though it hasn't happened yet at all. The ridiculous thing is most of the time it doesn't happen. People spend a great amount of time worrying about stuff that will never happen. Unless you worry about dying. Someday that will happen. You keep worrying about it, it'll happen a lot sooner than you were expecting. (laughs) But what is faith? Faith is just the opposite of this. Faith is believing that what you prayed is going to become a reality. Now you shoot a new movie. And now you picture, yes, the positive will come. I can see it. I can experience it. Ooh, what cool music. Yes, it's going to be wonderful. Whoa, whoa, cut! We need more angels. More angels in the movie. Can we get more angels in? And we shoot it again. And we start seeing cool, wonderful things happening. And to the point that it becomes so real to you. That you start actually physically being affected by it. And peace comes over your heart. And your soul. And calmness. And you start experiencing joy in the midst of your troubles. Before it ever comes to reality. That's called believing you received it before you have it. And when you do that. It creates it possible in the spirit world. For your answer to come. That's what Jesus was teaching them when you believe. It all has to do with your stinking thinking. Quit stinking thinking and start positive thinking. The energy that you burn. Some of you guys burn so much energy worrying about things that never happen. And you are great movie makers, by the way. But, and you make yourself sick worrying about things. Stop it. But take that same talent and do it in the positive. Start experiencing great joy in your life. I'd say the beauty of it is you get free of your circumstances. Man, some of you, you know, when things are going terrible, you're depressed. And when things are going great, woo! And you're depressed. And woo! You're almost bipolar for crying out loud. Just, all based on your circumstances. Your house doesn't sell. I'm depressed. I'm depressed. My household. Woo! I'm so happy. Good grief. I don't want to live like that. I refuse to live like that. Amen. I remember the last time we came here, we couldn't sell our stupid house either. <laughs> People used to come up to me, Pastor Mark, you must be so, so upset that your home doesn't sell. I remember looking at him like, what planet do you live on? 
I'm not depressed because my stupid home doesn't sell. We just kept praying and praying and praying for our home soul. And people came and said, you must be so excited that your home sold. I remember looking at them again and saying, what is the matter with you people? My joy doesn't depend on what happens with my house. Thank God. Because right now, nothing's happening. <laughs> I got an email the other morning about some tough challenges the church is facing. And it was a pretty depressing email. Don't freak out. Oh my gosh, what that movie would be. Uh, but but this, this horrible thing and, I, and, and, and just this ooh, dire circumstances. And I remember looking at the email and I just, I said, you know, it'll be okay. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. Because I've been trusting God. I've been praying. I know lots of people have been praying for a complete turnaround. God's blessings in our lives. By the end of the day, we had a miracle that turned the whole thing around. Completely. But you know what? I was still the same. Hallelujah. You know. In fact, I told Pastor Latham the next day, I said, actually, I feel more pressure this morning than yesterday morning. Because yesterday morning, things were so bad. What could you do? Now we got this great answer. Now I got to be responsible. <laughs> but goodness gracious, I'm not letting my circumstances define me. And when you pray, I tell you, true faith is when you can't sell your stupid house. But yet you can imagine it being sold. And you get so happy about it on the inside. And you're thanking God and you're praising God when it still hasn't sold. See, my joy that I'm going to celebrate when that stupid house sells, I have been celebrating for months now. So when it happens, you probably won't get much of a response from me because I've already been celebrating. This is making any sense. You're looking at me like I dropped it from Mars. It's called faith. I am experiencing the joy and the answer to my prayer because I believe I receive it before I ever get it. And I believe I'm going to get it. Praise God in heaven. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing. Anyway, um, I'm going to invite the uh, musicians to come back up as time clicks away here. And our ushers get ready to serve communion this morning. One of the important reasons, remember, that we're supposed to constantly think positive things is because, uh, uh, because of this tendency to forget what God has done in our lives. It was one, the big problem with the children of Israel. If you read the story of the children of Israel, it, it, it blows one's mind when you think about it. Remember, they are in bondage for 400 years in Egypt, right? They're praying, oh God, get us out of here. Get rid of Pharaoh. Sock it to him, sock it to him. Get us out of here, get us out of here. Finally, God answers a prayer, says Moses, with one of the most phenomenal displays of butt kicking ever recorded in history I mean he sent one plague after another after another frogs creatures I mean all bizarre things that were tormenting this pharaoh and his nation until he let the people go finally he lets them go the children of Israel come out they come up against the Red Sea Moses go yeehaw and the thing splits open and they walk across on dry land here come the bad guys splash kills them all I mean these guys saw miracles that you and I got to spend money to go see in the movies. They experienced it. Think about it. They saw things. Most people say, oh man, I wish I could see stuff like that. Man, I wish we could see God move like that. So they come to Mount Sinai. And Moses goes up there to get the Ten Commandments and all, all a bunch of stuff. And he's gone for 40 days. We're talking a month here. The guy is gone for a month. By the time he comes back, they're all dancing naked around a cow. 
by being raised in Wisconsin. I wouldn't pick a cow. Not the brightest creatures. You know, maybe a panther or something cool. But it's a cow. It's not even a grown cow. It's a calf. And they're worshiping. Oh, suck it to his cow. Suck it to his cow. The cow did all these miracles. In 40 days. Good Lord, if I ever go on vacation, y'all come back and you're all naked dancing around the cow. I'm going to shoot y'all. In 40 days, they went from some of the greatest miracles men and women have ever seen in their lives to completely forgetting the whole deal. Now, they were in an extreme situation. God had them so frustrated with these monkeys. He marched them around in circles for 40 years until they all died off. And the next generation, he took into the promised land. I don't know what's the matter with these guys. They were a mess. But goodness gracious, let's not forget what Christ has done in our lives. Let's stay focused. Don't get so caught up in your world. You forget about spiritual things. I know it's a challenge. But if you don't want God to bless you, you've got to keep focused and think positive things and remember what God's done. Really, this whole idea of communion fundamentally is about remembering. That's why Jesus told us to do it. He says, as often as you do it, why do we do this all the time? It's the one way we constantly remind ourselves what this is all about. It's all about Christ. It's all about his sacrifice. Were it not for his sacrifice, we would all be eternally doomed. Because there's no other way you can get rid of your sin. You say, well, I'm not such a bad guy. Man, if you could have been good enough, Jesus would have never went to the cross. He just said, hey, just be good enough. You can't be good enough. There's nothing you can do to earn your way to heaven. Totally lost. And Jesus comes and he's the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And through his sacrifice, this is how we get right with God. This is how we have this communion with God, this relationship with God, this fellowship with God. It's all about Jesus. It boils down to this. That's the whole purpose of why we even take communion. As we get ready to, I'd like us all to bow our heads in a word of prayer. And if you're here this morning and you've never taken that very first step of faith where you said, you know, I'm going to trust in Christ. I'm going to ask Jesus to take away my sins. I can't do it by myself. If you'll join in this prayer and you'll believe this, God can do a miracle in your life and you can take that very first step of faith. Let's pray this together. Say, Dear Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. That you loved me so much. You went to the cross and took my punishment. I ask you to come into my heart and forgive me of my sins. I now surrender my life to you. 